Hello, and welcome to the podcast series, Sawmill Stories. It's the middle of October, and thoughts are turning to falling leaves, chilly nights, and of course, Halloween. In the spirit of the season, we're sharing some spooky stories from Clinton's past, based on research by our own Matt Parbs, director of Clinton Sawmill Museum, and Morgan Pinnell, assistant director with the museum. I'm your host, Charlene Bielema, editor of the Clinton Herald, and we hope you have some fun with us today in our latest podcast, Gateway Ghosts, Feeling the Fear. Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast, Sawmill Stories, where we talk about a lot of things that are happening in Clinton in the past, and today is the perfect day with the weather outside. We're going to actually talk about um, different areas that might be believed to be haunted, um, especially as Halloween approaches. So I've got Matt Parbs, who is director of the Sawmill Museum, and Morgan Pinnell, assistant director, and I'm Charlene Bielema, editor of the Clinton Herald, and we are having a great discussion before we turned on our recording here about um, things that people have talked about in Clinton history, the folklore. Some are familiar and some are not. So I'm going to kick it over to Matt. He gave us a bunch of pages to look at for a PowerPoint that he's put together. So Matt, tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So of course, you know, the start of our relationship with the, the Herald in terms of kind of this content starts with the a question that you asked uh, for me to look into, which was, did Johnny Carson say, if you want to get away with murder, uh, go to Clinton, Iowa? And it is 99.9% a Mandela effect, meaning everybody claims they remember seeing this, uh, he, but he, he never did say it according to their transcripts. He maybe once vaguely mentioned his, his uncle, as we've discussed, there was a dentist here, whether he used the word Clinton or not is uh, um, is up for debate. I, he says he has a uncle that lives uh, in the eastern part of Iowa, um, but it gets, how did that myth come about? And you know, we're a river town that has uh, history that goes back for you know uh, actually a couple thousand years when you bring in the the Albany. Indian mounds and the different rumors you hear and stories about Eagle Point Park and some of the different uh, uh, burial grounds, right? Which is Poltergeist the movie. Every single, you know, horror movie starts because of a an Indian burial ground. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, and so you and so you start to see that, and then you start to see that uh, um, there was a lot of violence early on. Uh, in our in our history, so we had, of course, underground railroad houses and you know marshals searching for slaves as they came through here, and uh, of course, which is one of my favorite jokes. I've always understood if a slave, or always wanted to know, if, why would a slave come back and haunt the underground railroad? house and not go back to the master's family the slave owning family and scare the bejesus out of them forever if they're trapped in in this yeah. dimension that's what i'm doing i'm going back <laughs> to robert e lee's family and i'm banging on the door all night long so they never go to sleep uh, <laughs> but you start to see this almost cottage in industry pop up um pretty quickly in the 1890s and the early 1900s um, there are multiple tourist brochures talking about the haunted houses 
um, and things like that. And it's funny to see how the, the ghost in these underground railroad houses, their voice changes with the times, by the way. Okay, so <laughs> as it, what do you mean? As gender or as, what do you mean? So early, like in these early uh, tourist brochures for the, the haunted script, if you will, you mm -hmm. know, the ghosts always say the same things, but it's highly... Uh, well, we would say the word offensive now. It, it's, it's, okay. It is your classic vaudeville type, you know, Amos mm -hmm. and Andy sort of language early on wow. and whatnot. And, and they're speaking in the jive talk. If oh, you will. okay. It's like, well, I don't think a slave from the 1860s is going to be talking like, you know, the jazz guy in the 1910s. Right. Well, they might. Maybe they're, you know, right. um, somehow picking up on that without, you know, uh, Interesting, <laughs> but it's still this part of like there's this this really cool. Um, you've got lots of old houses on the river, and you think right by 1890 these houses are 50, 60, true, 80 okay. years old even in the in the World War One era. So the belief is whatever happened there is still in the walls, mm -hmm. and that people living there are picking up on that bad energy. Yeah, and I think. We have, uh, I'm going to steal this this guy's thunder, but this is why you don't ever come to the sawmill and tell me anything, because I will repeat it. <laughs> uh, there, is no, there is no, like, off-the-record closed source when it comes to history. So a, a, a preacher uh, who is a member has got a planned book, and one of the things that he's talking about, this is what this is all going towards, is what is the role of the spiritualist camp and that spiritualist okay. identity. His assumption and he's got some really cool sources to back it up is that this spiritualist camp unlocked some sort of dark cloud of um let's use this is halloween so we could use all sorts of fun spirits? language yeah These... so it's demons and spirits oh, okay some sort of thing that has attracted the occult has attracted uh, a darkness and so he's got you know where doomsday preachers and things oh, all sure. come to town and talk and then what does that do to the the population that's here that there are those who've grown up in the spiritualist camp always being here we, we all like to make fun of it but then every kid that i know when i was still going would go actually right try to run through at night and they would you mm -hmm. know you had you know the scares that were there and so it's interesting to think about, right? So you go, okay, so sure. you got the spiritualist camp, you've got these different things going on, um, you know, spiritually, and it just kind of lends itself to some real fun haunted stories very early on. So at the same time that people may say, oh, I don't believe in that, they're going up there for their scare, too, yeah. on, the, on the hours, because... There's people living up there. There yep. were mm -hmm. at that time mm -hmm. for many years. And they would have large gatherings there, if I mm -hmm. remember Harry's column. And then you're right. You would have the preachers that would come in and try to stoically change that perspective. Yeah, so the spiritualist camp is... so, And it all goes back to two sisters in New York, the Fox sisters. And it's in the 1840s, I think. It, it, it's, for me, a real nerdy time is mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a really good book that's just like what we're going to experience with COVID for the next 20, 30 years. You know, COVID has killed 700,000 people. The Civil War equally was a bloodbath that it has never been known on the American continent for mm -hmm. Americans. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so 
spiritually there was a lot of things going on and there's lots of reckoning and a, a, a different use of the word God and spirits and the classic example right is Mary Todd Lincoln is in the White House doing a seance because her kids died oh right nowadays we like to say that she's crazy mm-hmm. um, but you know it's part of this belief uh, that comes about and I still have no idea how Clinton Iowa became uh, the center of such a thing. Now, of course, that preacher is going to say, right, that something was drawing everybody here sure. uh, to begin with, which is cool during Halloween mm-hmm. and it's raining. <laughs> it is thundering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, it's it called Mount Pleasant Park. Um, mm-hmm. and, and really, you had a lot of leading uh, spiritualists that would come. And then, of course, it's the birth of chiropractory. Mm-hmm. Dr. Palmer, I think it was named Dr. Palmer there, it was there and he had some of his early um, experiences and where he, you know, chiropractory is in essence given to him by a spirit, the knowledge of it, even though it's actually copied from like a Whoa, German doctor okay. or whatever, you know but that? you know, I'm sure Palmer will say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, in the, in the PowerPoint, I've got a picture <laughs> of him, so you guys can't see it, uh, but this is, this is what he looked like. And now, don't 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 freak out. But tell me that guy ain't into some freaky things. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I don't wow. know if it's the beard or what exactly. Or the skeleton or that the just skeleton casually came out. The yeah. skeleton might. <laughs> the furniture itself lends itself to the, yeah. but the whole scene. But what's cool though um, is that Palmer mm. and other, especially for young impressionable kids. They would go up to Mount Pleasant Park. They'd be part of the spiritualist movement, um, and they would have out-of-body experiences. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, I forget what they call it, um, test roll or something. But right, it's like literally like they would do the fake pictures where the spirit would be like throwing okay. up. Okay. Spectral. Ah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah I mean, not I that word. Like I... Astral projection. I was gonna say. I yep, feel I... like it's astro something. Yep. Okay. Astral projection. So that started like here in Clinton. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say it started, but it was very famous in Clinton. It actually was started, once again, with Smoke and Mirrors. Houdini actually, um, I think, always tried to, uh, had a standing bet, much like Dr. Randy, who's the guy who will give a million dollars if anybody can actually prove any of the, you know, uh, moving things with your mind. And, oh, uh, sure. Okay, okay. So Houdini was like Dr. Randy. Um, skepticism. And uh, basically try to charge and say, hey, if you could actually do this type of stuff, I'll, I'll give you money. So my favorite thing is a woman, they had her hands tied behind her back and her tied to the thing, and she's still moving things on the table. And they, they find that she had a, a fishing line, like, taped oh, to her mouth. Wow. And so when she moved her head and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 And so, yeah, so you have this really cool sort of... Uh, um, uh, story up there, which has now you know been right. bought and all that, coinciding with once again, let's go back to that violence. Um, so I got a s- couple of stories about like mass poisonings and what. Oh, see, okay, all right. And, and, and so what happened is basically, <laughs> like this particular one is a cook was just angry at his lot in life, so he basically uh, put what's the lack of a better word arsenic in all the soup that day. And like, about like what year is it? In the 1800s. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, 18, okay. This is when you have all this really influx of different uh, things going on, uh, and really coinciding with kind of the decline of the lumber industry. So okay. In the, in the 1890s, 
you know, so things get pretty wild here. Yeah. So you you have uh, a lot of money, and then lots of new immigrants, mm-hmm. and then there's a lack of jobs all of a sudden. People aren't exactly happy. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have a lot of uh, these, a couple of big mass poisoning incidents where the sawmill workers are all staying in that these inns, these you know basically hotels, and are eating the food. And, and coming down uh, sick. No one died. Oh, I was going to just say, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, of course, all up and down 5th and 6th, you know, the, the mm-hmm. brothels and the gambling. Um, you have a lot of early murders as well in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, and this is where you guys can shine, you know, there's a famous Iowa case that to a degree happens in every town. But uh, there's, of course, the most famous Iowa. Oh, the Villisca Axe Murder yeah. House. I know this This is my little chapter because I went there in 2019. There's a friend of mine, and she likes going to cemeteries and, and seeing if there's, you know, can you talk to the dead? And, and I was always like, okay, yeah, whatever. Because I'm, I'm a skeptic in that, that area. And uh, she says, hey, we're going to go to the Villisca Axe Murder House. You want to come along? I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Sounds like something to do. So... Um, and I didn't even know the story. I'd heard the name and I knew that it was a tourist place. People would go there, but I didn't realize that you could rent the house out overnight and stay there. So we decided we'd do that. Loaded up a vehicle with our sleeping bags and a bunch of food. And her, uh, she has a relative that they, they kind of do this together. And he had those electromagnetic um, little handheld devices. Mm-hmm. He was looking for the heat in the room. And uh, I hate to say this, mom, but there was a Ouija board on board. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so we, we took off. It was a long drive across the state because you're going all the way to the western part of Iowa. I think it's the southwestern part of Iowa. And when you get there, they, they meet you. There's a guy that meets you there that explains what happened. And it basically comes down to a family of six, um, the Moore family, mom and dad. And then they've got four kids of their own. And they're all pretty young kids. And then they've got two little girls that are visiting uh, the Stillingers. And the little girls are staying there overnight. But earlier they had gone um, to a like a Sunday picnic. And then the next day their bodies were discovered. And the house is still, it, it's renovated. I wouldn't say renovated. I would say that it's restored to look like it would at the time of the murders. Um, to kind of add to that, the murders were actually in 1912. But people did live in the house after it was sold and repurchased. And there was even a time they said that people lived there that didn't know what it meant. Over time, they turned it back into the historical part of it, used that story, and now it's it's basically for tourism. But staying there overnight, you know, we've had our electro- electromagnetic things because people have said, oh, there's, you know, you can feel spirits that are in there. Um, we didn't feel that, but there was one thing. I was telling Morgan about this before we turned on our recording device. When we got there, we decided at one point, we're gonna go to the cemetery because they're all buried together, not that far down the road, but far enough that you have to drive. So we decide, okay, all four of us are going to get in the vehicle. We're going to go there or go to Casey's and get something to eat. Now, I've got my phone with me, and I never, ever play my music app at all. But I had loaded a bunch of country songs into it for a party earlier that year. And as we're getting close to the vehicle, get to get in it to leave, I say to my friend who's driving, uh, Kathleen, were we listening to any music? Do you got music on? I'm hearing music. And why is it the good old boys the lead-in song to the Dukes of Hazard, because that wasn't what we had on when we got here. 
And she says, no, I don't, I don't have my music on. And I reached into my pocket and I pulled up my phone and seriously, my app was playing that song. It's a good old boy's never made it no harm. And I'm like, well, this is weird. And the kid sitting next to me, he had been the last one out of the house, had said just before he left, hey, ghost, you can come on out because we mean you no harm. So we all kind of were sitting in the car like, oh, my God, what is happening? And we got locked out, too. It locked us out. The house, we got locked out twice. We have no idea why um, that happened because we didn't lock the door. So other than that, though. We drove back at 1.30 in the morning because we were able to shake the tree of ghosts, we felt. And we, we came back home, but... So that's a, uh, you know, and so the, the the unsolved murder part is, you know, we had a few of those here. A lot of isolated farmers and different things like that. Yeah, in this case, they it was not solved. And it was like a 10-year investigation. A guy was tried twice. I thought that there was a preacher that came through, um, a traveling preacher who happened to be at the event, and they were all murdered by axe. Mm-hmm. Pretty violent. So they, they thought the preacher did it? Mm-hmm. Why preacher specifically? He had some stuff in his background. Ah, okay. Yeah, that there were some reasons they thought that he oh, might be interested in them as a family, but oh. they could not prove that. And there were like four other people they looked at too. Yep. And as we're, you know, Bill James, who's the, the father of sabermetrics and baseball, has, has compiled just hundreds of these incidents that happened in the early 1900s, all based off the train, just like the, the preacher. You can hop on a train, you could murder a family of six mm-hmm. hop back on the train go to a new town um you know the, and uh you know, it was there were some of course uh uh you know fingerprinting and some some forensics mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot but yeah you're uh, uh very limited out in, uh you know, here in clinton too just these isolated farmers that were out mm-hmm. and about who um you know, somebody said, oh, it would be something as simple as a rumor of, you know, well, he had gold out there or whatever. And so somebody goes out and, mm-hmm. and, and, and does that. But it, it is, it's, um, we have, have had multiple, so we have our own Mississippi Valley Paranormal Society, or did. And they went around this whole area and did the EVPs or whatever they're called, uh, or EPVs, you know, where they do the recordings and see if they mm-hmm. can pick up you know, the voices, and they do the heat things and mm-hmm. all that. And one of the really things that hit home to me is there's a lot of haunted houses, new houses in Comanche that they have done these mm. on, and they thought this was tied back to the tornado. Oh. All the lives lost in the mm-hmm. tornado of 18... 1860. Yeah. And so, you know, they're building on top of... Uh, you know, this land where people, yeah. Just like the movie. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the Curtis Mansion has had different things. Of course, I think it's bats. Okay. The Joyce Mansion had somebody die while building it, so there's always stories of that being haunted. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually, um, when it's vacant, kids just ran through it, and so you had kids running up on mm. the third floor, kids on the first floor hear each other, and, you know... All right, um, but the house next to it has had some some uh, some ghostly activity. Um, then the Fisher bed and mm-hmm. breakfast. My favorite story of that is the Wards built the house, um, and so Papa Ward, Grandpapa Ward was the Eclipse lumber runner in the okay. town. His son, we'll call him Father Ward, uh, because their their names are all the same. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be too confusing if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Ward uh, lived in the house as well. 
and then grandson Ward has moved to Wisconsin. So when Father Ward passed away five or six years ago, grandson Ward or son Ward came back to Clinton, and the whole family stayed at the Fisher Bed and Breakfast because there was rumors of there okay. being some haunting. And much like your story about the Ouija board, uh, you know they thought if ghosts are real, wouldn't Grandpa come and say hi? Mm-hmm. If Grandma and Grandpa are haunting the house mm-hmm. for Morgan and I. Uh, you think they'd want to come out and say hi to right. mm-hmm. their family, and of course it never happened. Uh, okay. And whatnot. Um, but, you know, we, we, we have a lot of that um, uh, sort of things that are that they've gone around and they've done some really cool things. Uh, they pick up a lot of animals, and I feel a little bad for them because, of course, now we know we have a lot of stray cats. And so they picked up a lot of astral cats for a while. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it's, it, they've had some really, uh, they've had a couple of experiences where supposedly some people in Clinton have been scratched by ghosts and, and things like that. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's always interesting, um, you know, they, they record these things and, and whatnot, and then when you and I go do it, uh, nothing ever happens. <laughs> yeah, was, what a letdown. Everybody in the car, we're going back to, going back to Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know it, it, it's it, and so and yet you know there is to, to my knowledge no confirmed hauntings but Schick Hospital also has a lot of its own oh lore, as it should yeah but yeah uh, <laughs> being a military hospital and mm-hmm. with death that would have occurred there yeah and of course that could just also be because they have this big giant underground boiler Oh, that clunks. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Can you read anything into anything that you want to? I mean, yeah, you right. can. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and so, you know, but the, the thing is there with the Schick Hospital is, of course, especially now, it is a very uh, blast from the past. The things are boarded up. And yes. It's isolated. You've got the bridge to nowhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're in, you're separated from everything. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, it's pretty spooky. Yeah. What about you, Morgan? What's your uh, ghostly encounters? Uh, I don't. I don't really have anything. My mom claims that my gran- that the house that she grew up with, my, my grandma, um, claims that that's haunted. I've never okay. had an experience there. But my cousin, who also stayed in that house, says agrees. And my cousin, uh, I don't really. Yeah, we went to Key West. A couple years ago, and we went to see Robert the doll, um, which is this haunted doll. So we went, of course, at, in the middle of the night. And I think, what did you say they were called? The, the people that like uh, pump it up, that make it seem oh, spookier. I call him a hype man. Somebody who's getting your like adrenaline. And, you're like, oh, this is believable. And of course, they were doing that too. And like, you're supposed to like ask Robert the doll if you can take their picture and oh. stuff like that. And if you don't ask him or say hi or whatever it is you're supposed to do. Uh, he gives you bad luck, and apparently people write letters back apologizing to him. Oh, wow. gave him bad luck, and this is, you know, I was a kid, and I was like, this is, he was creepy looking, for sure, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's an old doll, but I, I've i never personally experienced anything like that. But I do know someone who ex- went up to the spiritualist camp quite often when they were, because they're not there anymore, they've been gone for quite a while, and they've said that they have had experiences there that they're like, yeah, I think this is real, and I'm Wow. But, uh, yeah, no, I never messed with the Ouija boards. It feels like up, a always. fine line. It, there's this either, uh, it's 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 like, I shouldn't say fine line. I should say that it's a definite line. Either you're like, oh, yeah, I could totally believe that. Or you're like, eh, it hasn't happened to me, so it can't 
it can't be true. So we have uh, in the research for Bloody Clinton, uh, or the, the the PowerPoint we discussed. I was trying to find our own Vesalia or Lizzie Borden mm -hmm. uh, family annihilators, as we call them. Uh, women oftentimes, right, um, will annihilate uh, their, their husbands uh, six, seven times. But generally, women are not family annihilators. Usually, that is a man, right, who mm -hmm. becomes usually jobless and then feels that he has no worth as a man, so therefore he must, you know, kill his kids and his wife for reasons that are still uh, uh, pretty crappy. And uh, you can see that as far back as, like, when you have this in front of you, you're talking like the 1800s? The 1800s, yep. Okay. I mean, well, you, this goes back to, I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, Cain killed Abel, so. Mm -hmm. uh, or is that, yeah. Overreacting a little bit. Yeah, but this one is um, in Cambridge, Illinois, I think it's about 45 minutes away from here. It's just a dirt road and a bend now. It's called the Death Curve. It's uh, on Timber Ridge Road. Mm. And Julia Markham uh, killed her seven children with an axe and then burnt the house down while she wow. was in it. And we had a, a few of these in Clinton as well. Uh, the notes didn't print off, so I can't give specifics. Mm. But we had a few times where women killed their kids um, either because their husband had abandoned them or um, different uh, postpartum depression reasons, mm -hmm. things we know about now. But we did have a few cases in the 1880s, 1890s, mm -hmm. 1870s. But it's nothing quite like uh, the death curve. So of course everybody has stories of seeing the orbs and you mm -hmm. can go out there and, and whatnot and see right. things float and all that. Um, and you can see her spirit. Uh, I come from a heavily uh, spiritual family, if you will, that believes in all this sort of thing. That you know, and they still talk to the past ancestors and whatnot. Really? And, wow. And so my closest ghost story is that both my father and sister have passed away. So when my father passed away, uh, he was cremated, and I had his little mm -hmm. urn on the on the bookshelf. And then when my sister passed away, about six years later. Uh, you know, she's also cremated, get the same urn, and I go home to put up Caitlin right next to Dad. And you know where this is going? No. Dad's nowhere to be found. I know, I know he was just there two weeks prior to my sister passing away because they were going to come up and visit. We were discussing, do I take him off the urn? You know, the sister always still had, obviously, some unresolved uh, things. And so, yeah, Dad's missing. He's just still gone. Still haven't found still him? Still haven't found him. I live in an apartment, so it's not like it's a huge house. That's so weird. <laughs> so obviously, they think, you know, Becky and I, my wife, think at some point we had to have um, uh, moved him and just don't remember. And then when my wife's father passed away three or four years ago, we're sitting in the uh, living room having a debate about which song to play. And my mother-in-law had a doorbell ringer um, because uh, sometimes she, she she's she's bedridden so okay. uh, so if she needed anything she could ring the doorbell and she had her own little thing and so we're debating about which song to play and Becky says well dad always said this and then someone's like well you know that's true that's not really a good funeral song and so we're discussing that and so then when the pastor says well should we play and I forget what the song is uh, let's just say it's 
you know, it, it's a Roy Orbison song, I think. Mm-hmm. The doorbell goes off. <laughs> like it was validating this election. Yep. Oh, and, and so okay. And then we're all in the room, and this is this is what does freak me out because usually mm-hmm. I can explain away everything. So I of course started hunting. She doesn't. I I'm convinced at first that mother-in-law has done a trick. Sure. Right. But she doesn't have it. The doorbell ringer is in the bedroom, and whatnot. And we're in the living room, so we have. I still to this day. That's the one that gets me. I don't know why at that particular moment the doorbell went off. Um, nobody, you know, we're all there. Nobody had the ringer or anything like that. I would check the batteries. I, I, I swear, mm-hmm. I, I put the batteries uh, in, the, uh, in the TV remote to see if maybe they died, and that was them just telling you Maybe it was died. kids playing Ding Dong Ditch. Yeah. Well, it's an internal doorbell that's set up not as the outside doorbell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's literally just that's for, weird. for my mother-in-law when she, if she needed uh, some medical help uh, and whatnot. That's so weird. I know. Yeah. So that one, I can explain away everything uh, except for that one. Did uh, you pick that song? I hope you say yes. Yeah, we did. Oh, yes. good. Because yeah. <laughs> okay. you got, you yeah, have to. You have to. <laughs> so that one was pretty crazy uh, and whatnot. And... Um, and then we just had a few others. My other favorite one is uh, when we moved in, multiple times we found some furniture moved and whatnot. Uh, so in, in, sorry, in your apartment? In, no, in Springfield, Illinois. Oh, my, okay. M- mother and I, we all move into a new house. I'm, I'm probably a freshman in college. And uh, the first couple of weeks, some things are happening. And so we as a family have decided to accept the ghost premise. Because <laughs> you have to have that discussion? That is uh, so weird. <laughs> because the alternative <laughs> is actually much more terrifying and true, which is probably our neighbor uh, that uh, was a weirdo. Um, okay. My mother's like moved. Rather say it's a ghost than a neighbor. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. Who was, uh, he wasn't breaking in because he left us a note. On like the day two or three, like we just came in and there on the dining room table was a note. Oh, say, okay. Like welcome. So we just assumed that he was probably in. Uh, touching stuff. Touching stuff and whatnot. Uh, he was a weird man. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like, yep, that was definitely a ghost who was doing all of that. <laughs> rather not. <laughs> Where's my life gotten where I'd rather blame a ghost? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, it, and, and it's funny how tie it back into Clinton you know how many of these ghost stories are associated with the uh, like the lumber barons right and yet we have you know the the life expectancy of in the papers at least a lot of our, our workers are, are, are much shorter mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes uh, they meet much more bloody ends mm-hmm. and uh so I, I I would love to know if like downtown could do such a tour like they do in Davenport and other towns mm-hmm. like Galena you know they do the Honda tours there has got to be downtown business owners um, that just have you know stories galore sure. of of the, the the things that are going on in the uh, in those the buildings. noises that you hear mm-hmm. and the the stories behind the actual building things that happened within those walls are history mm-hmm. as well. It's the way to document them. Yeah, I like to blame. I was kidding Morgan about this. She has a relative that ran illegal gambling in downtown Clinton. <laughs> really? 
I wasn't aware of this. Matt was the one that educated me on this. But yeah, apparently. Uh, several decades, several generations ago? Or. Think, yeah. oh, okay, okay. On my dad's side, I think it yeah. was, right? Mm-hmm. The Pinnell, yep. I think. Wow. So they were in like a cigar bar or whatever, and then mm-hmm. had some gaming. I will. I. I I, I purposely have not used the family for so long I can't remember the family. But it's a very well-known family now mm. um, and, uh, and whatnot. But it always makes me laugh. Um, and so they, got a, they worked in the sawmills and they opened a bar downtown. And uh, they got busted for some noise complaints in the mm-hmm. back room. <laughs> okay. You can fill in the blank. Sure, sure. <laughs> it is. And they had gambling and whatnot. Kind and, of speakeasy. Yeah, let so, me in. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so and they and they're a very reputable, uh, respectable family now, uh, <laughs> you know. But it, yeah, it just seemed like everybody had a side gig back in the day <laughs> that would just make for a red light district, an X-rated, whatever you wanted to call it, <laughs> tour of, of of that, especially downtown in South Clinton. That would just be, and so yeah, we go in a rainy time, and so you guys like, why does Johnny Carson thing is it believable? You know, it's because sure. we have, we didn't even touch on, you know, the things that have happened in the 60s and 70s that would have led Johnny Carson right. uh, to say these sorts of things in Clinton. Um, but yeah, you, you just have, you know, basically, I, I would love to know when the first murder happened. I think Jan Hansen of the Historical Society might have a book Oh, she has a that. book. She yeah. has a book about that, right? Mm-hmm. That's got murder in the title, I think. Yep. But I bet it's within a couple of years is the first bloody death. Right. Because <laughs> whenever you have people... Mm-hmm. You're gonna have, you're mm-hmm. gonna have that. And uh, then, sad mean, to say. Yep. And then the in the PowerPoint, yes, stories are coming back to me. You mm-hmm. know, we have a one of the bluffs that's haunted, and this makes a lot of sense. It was a, a raftsman died of smallpox and was buried mm-hmm. there, and you just think of all the disease, right, uh, that would have ravaged and you know lack of. But you know, we were in a huge town, so a mass grave site here is it might be three or four. But, you know, mm-hmm. still, you know, how many children especially. Uh, that's what, that's the part that I always could believe, too, because all the sappy is, you know, children ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, because children don't even perceive death in life. You know, they're mm-hmm. alive. And so if they pass on the other side, do they even know that, you know, they're really dead? And let alone if Ma over in Cambridge, Illinois, kills them. You know, how does how does right. how, how does uh, Saint Paul or Saint Peter explain that to a kid, right? Like, yeah, your mom. Oh, you're messing with my mind. <laughs> my mind doesn't even go there. Yeah, and so it's and so you so you do have uh, that uh, uh, that I do think about from time to time. As you know, you, you the you, transition, the transition, and so it ties into you know. There's a really good book called Lincoln Lombardo by George something or another. Um, it's kind of about that, about, you know, mm-hmm. when Lincoln's kids die, they're stuck in, in between, in limbo, basically. And, of course, Lincoln is suffering mm-hmm. himself, and then, uh, you know, somehow some different things work, and they kind of do this sort of thing, and then allow his kids to pass into the uh, 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 afterlife and whatnot. But mm-hmm. that is really why spiritualism is, is so popular right after the civil war is because you want to reach out for the family Mm -hmm. that you lost and where are they and are they okay on the other side and Mm -hmm. you know what you've been taught traditionally are they there where you think that they are or can i still have one last Mm -hmm. okay that makes sense in our generation i haven't in my life 
the way that we live, haven't had that knock on wood happen where I'm like, I need to reach somebody from the other side. I will say I dream and I have visits from grandparents all the time. It's, it's, it's very, I don't know, people say, oh, that's a little weird. I don't think that's weird, but my, I have dreams where I'm hanging out with my grandparents and they've all, they're all gone and have been, the last one died 10 years ago. No, that isn't, Morgan's like, that doesn't happen to you. Well, mm-hmm. I don't ever remember my dreams unless they're like, oh, like it's very rare that I remember. Really? Like, oh, I live in, I live in my dreams that, so. that way. I'm probably dreaming now. Just... <laughs> 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 no, I'm, no, I dream, I dream a lot about that. And I also, oddly, it has always been this way. If I haven't thought about somebody for a while, whoever it is, because, you know, just knowing a lot of people and being from here, uh, I'll think about someone and they will either show up in a new story, weird, or pass away. That's that happens a lot. So people say, don't really? think about me. And I'm like, okay, I'll keep my brain busy. <laughs> right. But mm-hmm. Wow. No, I don't, I don't know. I did that. It's odd. Yeah, Coming from a skeptic. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything so, else? So when did the spiritualist camp like officially close? Like did, were they just kind of like ran out of town? Did they... Oh, I wouldn't say that. I can, kind of remember. Of town, could like... it be, could it be like, could this be right? The late eighties? I remember there's still some ties to that camp where there's still meetings there. Yeah. So I, mean, I think even when I first moved to town in 2013, somebody tried another revival, but yeah. yeah. It, okay. But in terms of its popularity, oh, yeah. you know, spiritualism, uh, you know, World War II is a really crazy thing. Um, it really changes a lot as well, just like the Civil War changed some things. Uh, one of my favorite things, right, is aliens and all this other stuff. And we have nuclear bombs that really, you know, change the psyche of, uh, of a lot of our um, paranormal, if you will. It changes. Um, That's why every 80s video at the beginning has... Nuclear bombs and aliens showing up, right? Yeah. Every or in the the B movies of tinfoil in the fifties. And so you know yeah. nothing. So it can't stay sustained as it's at its height. But yeah, I mean, I know, you know, our board member Eddie Dunham's uncle, you know, lived up there and whatnot. And if you lived up there, you had to have some sort of connection. So I think he did tarot cards, okay. and, and whatnot. So you, you uh, they had a church. Mm-hmm. I can remember being in the church up there to do a story. Um, they had had, they had broken into, sadly. There's a church up there? There was a church up there, and it was with their belief system that right. they had. And, um, yeah, got a, a tour of their church. And there was other buildings up there, too. I think, like, a general store for people who lived there. It, it was, and then the camp, people would come back. And I know that Winona Whitaker has done some stories in the Herald mm-hmm. about the camp itself, especially now that they're looking to build housing on there. See, I must not explore Clinton enough even growing up here because I have I still have no idea where it's at like up off of Bluff Boulevard yeah. when you take that um I don't think it's marked anymore because I, I don't think they want people up there but you'll be able to know because it'll have construction mm-hmm. going okay. on up there but when I went up there the last time was probably 2000 because they'd had some vandalism at the church and drove up back there and there were still remnants of old old homes it kind of felt like being on a, I don't know what I remember is like a little house in the prairie feeling oh, to okay. me, like old looking clapboard. Would that mm-hmm. be in line? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, interesting discussion. I didn't know we were going to go there. We were going to talk about, about women, yeah. about women and, and uh, the early women. Of, and then we were like, this rain is just awful. And now, and then it turned into this, Ooh, we got to talk about this. So, um, and there's, there's probably more that we can cover in a future podcast too, because we'd like to get onto the 
the whole discussion of the unsolved murders. Yeah, which I know that you've got, uh, you know, a really good perspective on uh, from your early time yeah. as a crime reporter. As a crime reporter and a court reporter, mm-hmm. and now I can tell you that most of the, the crimes that I've covered in that respect, there were cold cases, though, that they actually got somebody convicted on that. But there's a string of them before mm-hmm. for different reasons that hadn't been solved. And so it's always interesting to revisit those because you never know if somebody somewhere later remembers something or DNA. There's mm-hmm. been changes in that. So, okay, we'll come back to that. We'll do a little research and I'll bring back some things that we can talk about. So, all right. Well, Matt, thank you for your PowerPoint. This kind of was a great discussion because we were everywhere today. And just so our listeners know, um, we're all different where we come from on this. Matt ab- absolutely has a different standpoint. And, and Morgan and I are like, I don't know, whatever. And, and so... Well, um, you've had some sort of interaction. I've had nothing. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what what it is. But anyway, thank you for joining us today. And if you have some feedback about this discussion, which you we probably will have feedback from people that have their own experiences, um, there'll be information at the end of this podcast as to how you can get a hold of us. So thank you very much for joining us. And we'll be, na- be back next week for more Sawmill Stories. If you would like to give us some feedback about today's podcast or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, drop an email to news at clintonherald.com or leave us a message on the Anchor app. Thanks to Matt Parbs, director of Clinton Sawmill Museum, and Morgan Pinnell, assistant director at the museum. I'm Charlene Bielema, editor of the Clinton Herald, and be sure to join us next week as we bring you more Sawmill Stories. Sawmill Stories